Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. And I'm really excited about today's guest, Hillary Glasser. She dubs herself as the chief cheerleader and executioner. Today's talk is all about marketing, SEO, coaching. We're going to be talking about how individuals use their ADHD in a good light, which I had another guest on the show and talking about emotional resiliency, trauma, and moving forward. So Hillary, welcome. Thanks. Um, so my last name is Glazer. Everybody does it. Um, I have a friend whose last name is actually Glasser and there's two S's in her name. You know, when we're next to each other, people are like, oh gosh, which one of you is Glasser? I'm like, it's her. Pretend the S is a Z for me. Um, I like to blame my husband for um, for the last name because it's all his. Uh, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Think and um, yeah. So welcome to the podcast, and uh, you know, tell individuals you know your background, your story, how you do what you do, and we'll get into the convo. Uh, so I've heard that I have one of the most interesting backgrounds of any marketer that anyone's ever really heard of. Um, I actually got my start. Um, you know, talking about emotional trauma and damage, I was always told growing up that I would not amount to much. So I should really look for a trade instead of going to college like everybody else um, in America at 18. So I became a hairdresser. Um, I learned to do everything from facials to makeup to hair, the hair color, the whole nine yards. And I remember one day getting really angry at a friend of mine who was an undergrad at Stanford and he came in for a haircut and he's like, Hillary, you, you're so much smarter than this. Why are you just a hairdresser? And I stopped him for a second. I said, do you realize that in cutting your hair, I have to understand physics, geometry. Um, I have to understand all of the angles, a little bit of algebra. I'm not just a hairdresser. I said, on top of it, you have like really curly hair, so I have to understand how your hair is going to bounce. And if I cut it just a tiny bit too short, your hair is not going to look right. And I said, on top of it, I learned chemistry. I learned just so many different sciences that I don't think you could possibly wrap your head around it. And he like, he sat back like, oh, like I just schooled him. Um, but it also, that whole conversation helped propel me forward because hearing somebody tell me that I'm so much more than this one thing, I'm out to prove them wrong and right. Um, I am absolutely more than a hairdresser and I feel like I've proven that over the years. But while I was in beauty school um, or cosmetology school, I should say, I, have, I had this little Polish grandmother, um, my dad's mom, who kept telling me to go back and learn computers. And I said, I know how to use computers. I learned that in high school. And she said, no, 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 like learn computers. And I realized that she meant to code. So I did. I went back to school. Um, or I, went, I guess I went to get like an associate's degree in coding. I learned how to do all of that stuff. 
I realized I hated it. Um, but I really loved that aspect of search because it was so new and the psychology behind why people search. Why would you use the internet in 2001? It was such like a little baby internet and it was awful compared to what we have now. And, um, you know, between the remark from my friend and my grandmother, it took me in a totally different direction that I never thought I would ever go in. And I ended up moving overseas. I graduated with a degree in um, counterterrorism, conflict resolution, international relations, um, and Middle Eastern studies, and which is a really fun way of saying government. It's essentially what that is. And while I was while I was going to college, I was 25, which is on par with almost everybody else in Israel when they start school, but old by American standards. So it was nice to be able to have these really intelligent conversations with people my own age, um, but also have that perspective of I could be like a big sister to some of these younger kids. It was an international school. So we had 18, 19 year olds in school with us. It took me so much further than I ever thought it would. And I met my husband over there, um, got married, had our first child, graduated, um, ended up moving back to the U.S. and decided, wow, counterterrorism is really mind boggling and mentally draining. I really don't want to go into uh, working for one of the alphabet agencies. And I ended up working in advertising. Yeah. Interesting. And I, it's like the longest, most interesting story. And I love it. I love being able to tell that story because it, it helps people understand why I am the way that I am. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And, uh, you know, the best, the best entrepreneurs, the best creatives, you know, the best come from the non-traditional routes and basically have all these very unique experiences that you can like pull together. But uh, wh one thing is, so you went into advertising, which is really a fascinating field, especially with, you know, social media and, and the internet now, um, the way it's changed with Google and, and, and all of that. Um, so one thing is talking about is that you talk about, you started a company and you're a marketer and talk, talk about marketing and SEO from your standpoint and your journey. So I can tell you that most advertising agencies do not know how to work with um, somebody in my position. I was the only person at that agency for many years, and I mean probably about five years, who did what I do. And I had the great, the great experience and opportunity to teach people along the way so that when they would speak to clients, if they were an account person or if they were a client, they felt smarter without me dumbing it down to a point where it felt demeaning. Um, I wanted to break down search in a way that people could understand it because not everybody's like me. Not everybody understands, you know, it's like, like being a doctor. Not everybody understands medical terminology, but you have to be able to break those concepts and those terminology or terms, I guess, down for people to understand into bite-sized pieces. And it was one of my superpowers to be able to do that. Uh, and I was given a really great opportunity um, to start my own business when I was laid off. And about six months before I was laid off, I remember having a conversation with my husband saying, if I ever get laid off, I want to go into business for myself. And he is such a traditionalist. Why? Why can't you just work like a corporate job like everybody else? Just be happy with that. And I said, because I'm not. I want to be able to help smaller businesses get found on the Internet when they really like if you wouldn't be able to afford an ad agency, 
not everybody can afford a ten to twenty thousand dollar a month retainer. So I want to make it more accessible to smaller companies, and that's really how my company was formed because I was already doing it kind of on the side. And I got this great opportunity to take it forward. And while I mourned the loss of my job for about a week, two weeks, um, by the third week, I'd already filed my LLC. And I called my dad and I said, um, so I'm now just like you. I, I own a company. And he said, wait, what? And I told him about my company. And um, he said, so you're doing the same thing you did at the ad agency, but without benefits. And I said, yep, pretty much. And he said, and without like a safety net, I said, no, I got, I got severance. That was my safety net. Um, and I had two young kids, one of whom is um, on the spectrum and the other one just got diagnosed with ADHD. <laughs> so it was like a little bit of a circus for a while. But when I called him to tell him about my company, I said, you know, I named it after mom and Joanne and Joanne is my stepmom, his wife. And he started to tear up. I could hear it on the phone. And he said, why? I said, because they were the Google before there was a Google. You mm -hmm. ask any woman if you needed, especially in the, the 70s and 80s, if you needed to know the best tailor, the best restaurant, where's a great place to go um, for a date night? Who's the best handyman? Women knew. Not only did women know, but they would go to the playground with their kids and they would talk to other women. And that's how those conversations happened. So you're taking concepts that are really like word of mouth. And um, I call it yentas and mavens because those are great Yiddish terms. But you're taking this concept of being like a, a yenta, a big mouth, and you're putting it online. And that's essentially Google. Uh, really interesting. So, you know, you mentioned ADHD, which we're going to get into and um, talk about how you man how you manage and actually, um, how you use it to, you know, thrive. But um, one thing is talking about is um, what are the most common red flags for you as a marketer? A red flag for me is when I hear a prospective client say, well, I don't own my website. Another company owns it. Wait, they built you a website, but they didn't give you the keys to it. Or I don't own my own Google ads account. Ooh, okay, well, that means I'm going to have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to unhook your Google ads and give, you know, get this other company to give you permission for it. Um, my, my advice for anybody that I'm coaching um, or any of my clients who are embarking on this entrepreneur pathway is to always own your own stuff. <laughs> I love getting access to everything. I don't love owning any of it because it creates headaches down the line, a lot of red tape. Um, and if you ever part ways with a company and they're a little bit miffed about things, they're not going to just hand over everything that you think is yours. Um, so those are, you know, that's a pretty big red flag for me. Um, also hearing prospective clients when I tell them about my pricing or what I do um, say, oh, gosh, is there like, is there anything cheaper? Nope. If I'm giving you the price, that's the cost. You, know, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't walk into Target. And, you know, go to pick out a pair of shoes or go to get pasta and walk up to a sales associate and say, gosh, is $2.99 the cheapest you can you can do for this, you know, spaghetti? Why do we do that to each other? That can't be a thing. You know, that, that can't be something that if you're asking somebody about their pricing and they give you a price, 
that's your price. That is what you're getting. It's not really up for negotiation. So those are some pretty big red flags for me, both from the marketer standpoint and the business owner standpoint. Yeah, it's always, um, I'm always paying attention to red flags and, uh, you know, people that waste your time and kind of, you know, people playing status games. Eventually these patterns play out and you kind of recognize it and then you just mm-hmm. kind of learn to cut them off quickly. And, and the people that are asking for free things, I had a prospective client once ask me for a website audit to do an SEO audit on his website. And I said, well, those are things that people actually pay a lot of money for me to do. Um, but I'll go ahead and dip the toe in the water and I'll run a quick scan and just kind of walk you through it. So I did that. And then he came back and said, well, no, I want the full audit. And I said, great. This is how much it costs. He said, no, but why won't you do it for free? Don't you want my business? No, because if you're trying to shake me down for something that people pay quite a lot of money for, I don't want to have to go toe to toe with you over pricing uh, because it's always super awkward to talk about pricing in the first place. But if you're already demanding something free, you're going to be demanding more free things from me. And, you know, my scope of work is relatively ironclad. I don't like playing those games. It really, it like wastes your time. So then he went back to the person who initially referred me to him and said, you know, this person that you referred to me, you know, as a marketer, I'm sure she's great, but, you know, I asked her to do this whole audit for me for free and she wouldn't do it. And his friend who referred me said, why would she do that for free? First of all, do you know how much my company paid for that? Second of all, why would she give that to you for free? as a show of good faith. So she wants my business. And he said, no, if she did that, she'd be stupid. That's, you don't give away things like that for free. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's so many, um, one, the other question is, um, what I'm always surprised and impressed is people that use either, um, you know, either are quote handicaps, but, or just kind of, but they actually use it to their advantage and they kind of learn, learn little hacks and trips to thrive, you know, like, you know, someone with like dyslexia kind of learns how to read, read and learn faster and, you know, kind of surpasses people on exams. But um, one thing is uh, that's come up is ADHD. And, you know, traditionally it's kind of, you know, but uh, you actually can actually get a lot as a entrepreneur. So kind of tell people how you manage it, how you use it to thrive, how you minimize the downside um, and share with the audience. So I got diagnosed um, with ADHD at 25, which is, I'm sure, a shocker for your female audience who any of them who may have ADHD. As women and as girls, we typically, especially in the 80s, didn't get diagnosed because if you weren't hyperactive, it wasn't as easy to diagnose ADHD in young girls. And even in young boys who weren't hyperactive, if they were just inattentive, it was like, oh, they're just not focused. So I grew up hearing, if you just applied yourself a little bit more, or if you just tried a little bit more, tried a little harder, you could do really great things. And I found that um, by the time I hit 25, I had already amassed this incredible toolbox of of tips and tricks and hacks and things to get me to focus so that I didn't need medication. Um, What threw me for a loop was by the time I hit 40, uh, and I'm sure you can appreciate this as a doctor, your hormones change. And all of a sudden, I could not focus. I was depressed. I was anxious. I could not complete my daily tasks in a way that was completely foreign to me. All of the the tools that I amassed in my teens, my 20s, my 30s, 
no longer applied now. And I remember going to my nurse practitioner and telling her, I don't know what to do. I am so anxious and so depressed. And I don't think my ADHD is very well managed. And she said, okay, well, rather than put you on medication for anxiety and depression, let's just try ADHD medicine first. Let's see what we can figure out, you know, find something that works. Um, you know, you've got a lot going on. So let's see if it works. And it was like a game changer for me because it it allowed me to sit down long enough to create a to-do list. Um, and I had that little voice in the back of my head that tells me, hey, um, don't put so much on that list. Put like three things down that you want to accomplish at work. Put three things down that you want to accomplish at home. Like leave it at that. On days where I don't have as much going on, like a weekend, well, not anymore, but it used to be on the weekend. Now my kid plays soccer on a travel team, so that's out the window. But when I have more time, I can add more things to that list. And that's just figuring out trial and error of what do I absolutely need to get done today? And I can create an entire list, which prompts a different list of now let's prioritize. That's the biggest, it's not really a hack, but it is the biggest hack in the world for me. I try not to um, give into the sugar cravings that, you know, happen with all of us who are neurodivergent. Um, however, the M&M packet that's sitting right next to me says otherwise. But that extra dopamine hit sometimes really, really helps. And I've also found that as a, a, a big trick for me is sitting down to complete a task and setting a timer. Oh. If I set a timer for myself of I'm going to sit for 45 minutes without taking a break, then I get to do X for 10 minutes that like my break is I get to watch like 10 videos on TikTok, um, just something to clear my brain. That's not me working. I also do the same thing with laundry. I hate doing laundry. It's a task that I can't stand. I don't, I don't mind doing it. I don't like folding it, but I will set a timer for myself. What can I get done in 15 minutes? And once the timer is off, I will either rush to complete the rest of the task and then move on, or I will drop, if I really hate the task, I will drop whatever it is I'm doing and uh, not continue on until I feel the need to take another 15 minutes later on. I also found that when you are neurodivergent, there's a lot of anxiety. It just comes with the territory. So you have ADHD and not finishing or not starting a task when you know you have to kind of like it just paralyzes us to a certain extent. And I found that sometimes if I do a small task that I really, really enjoy doing right before I have to do this thing I am dreading to do, but I know has to get done, it allows me to create a, um, a list of here's how I'm going to execute that other task. But it also just lets me calm down enough to enjoy doing what I'm doing and easily move into the next task. My youngest who got diagnosed in June has all of these other things going on with him and he has a really hard time um, like the rest of us with executive functioning. So we're still working with him on ensuring that he has, you know, lists of things to do. He actually has on his phone, um, I created a to-do to list of daily tasks that he knows he has to do. And then um, he always has his phone on him because he's always playing on it at 10 years old. And um, he can easily check them off. But to hold him accountable, he has to check it off with me once he's done doing the task. He can't just like mark it off and done on his phone. So there's, you know, there's little things along the way to help us with executive functioning. 
I've learned that if my alarm goes off and I don't jump right out of bed, I'm not getting out of bed for an hour. And that's awful because then I'm not showering. I'm going to look grungy and feel gross the rest of the day um, unless I showered the night before. But I'm not getting all of the stuff done and it sets my day off on a bad note. So I try to teach both of my kids the same thing. You know, as soon as your alarm goes off, get up, get out of bed. I don't care how tired you are. You will wake up. That movement helps wake you up. Do a couple of jumping jacks to, to get yourself moving and then continue on with the tasks that you have to do. I have one kid that brushes his teeth first thing in the morning and then gets dressed. And then the other one who gets dressed and then brushes his teeth. So it's all about finding that pattern that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. One thing is, uh, so we talked about, um, you know, ADHD and then the other question, you know, kind of as, uh, I'm just curious, what do you mean by neurodiversity? I just want to kind of understand that concept, you know, broadly. So it really means people whose brains are, are shaped differently. When you have ADHD or autism, your brain is, it, it functions very differently from somebody who we would call neurodivergent or uh, neurotypical. You're neurodivergent as somebody with ASD or ADHD or even both. Um, the way that you perceive everything, sound, movement, everything can be under-simulating and over-simulating just depending on how your brain functions. So when I talk to people about um, being overwhelmed, yesterday I had the great fortune of sitting at middle school registration all day and watching these adorable incoming sixth graders like my son come in looking like deer in headlights. But the ones who looked panicked um, and were very, very clearly overwhelmed were the ones who were more neurotypical. The mm. ones who were very calm were typically the ones who were neuro neurodivergent. So they've got, you know, either of those um, neurodivergencies, autism or ADHD, and they were taking it all in and internalizing it and internalizing the panic rather than letting it show on their face. And they were masking the whole time. So it's interesting mm. to see how those two different communities manage things differently. But by the time my son and his cousin came home, you could tell that they like they were done internalizing and masking and had to let it all out. Whereas the kids who showed it right on their faces, you could see the panic in them because they couldn't mask. They don't know how they were like, I need somebody to tell me everything's going to be okay. And I got to be that person with the parent teacher student association saying, Hey, guess what? Every other sixth grader is walking in just like you. It's okay. Take a breath. You'll be okay. You will get through the next three years. I promise. You know, when you're neuro, it's hard to fit into the regular society. Mm. A lot of us feel like we have to put on a show or pretend to be somebody that we're really just not. Then we have to come home, um, whether it's from school or work or wherever, and really decompress before we can be ourselves around the people who know and love us the most. Um, I watch my own dad, who's never been diagnosed with anything, go from being very, very, very social to completely shutting down at home so that he can recharge because being social was really hard for him. But that was him masking. And I did bring that up to him once and he looked at me like I was crazy. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about his generation, how they feel about it. But at least as an older millennial um, who's raising Generation A kids. I see how those communities really differ from each other. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, it kind of reminds, it kind of brings back in traumatic memories of just like 
you know, there's just one, you know, like one narrative and then, you know, it's kind of works for like I said, like 10% and then if you're different, it's you're, you'll you struggle. But uh, like I said, the world is waking up. So that's, you know, that's a positive direction. Um, how can people contact you, uh, follow your social media, you know, check out your work, etc.? Um, it depends on what they're looking for. If they're looking for marketing, uh, marketing help, they can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, um, even on TikTok, although I'm not as active on TikTok um, from my business side at L-E-N Jojo, which is like E-L, like Nancy, J-O, I do make a fair amount of baked goods. So that's actually the thing that I do to help calm me and like relax me so that I can move into regular work. Um, I have a little baking company called Trixie's Treats. So if anybody's in the Metro Detroit area and they really love Jewish baked goods, they can find me there. Um, but on TikTok is typically where I will talk about um, neurodivergence, bullying in school, how to handle yourselves in daily life. Um, and people can find me at Mrs. Hilly G on TikTok. Um, I kind of shut down a lot of that public stuff for my um, Instagram and my Facebook side of things because I do like to have some personal stuff. But on TikTok, I love talking about how even in schools, we need to do a better job looping in the concept of neurodivergency and different kids and how kids have different abilities and superpower and ensuring that's part of the whole diversity, equity and inclusion process. And uh, you know, for all the audience out there, really interesting and conversation from the eyes and lens of entrepreneurship and you know differences um, and all of uh, Hillary's resources will be in the links and show notes. Uh, be sure to follow her. She's on all the social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, all of her re uh, resources will be in links. And with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. And without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.